Jeremy Lyon, the singular <laughs> lion. Oh yeah, the other red lion in my life. <laughs> it's, it's, who's who's the first red lion? So in life? okay, so uh, me and my brother grew up in West Marin, Magnitas. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And we had a uh, our homie in our community. His name's Jeremy Gray. Okay. And uh, total redhead like yourself. Whoa. And we had a band, you know, in the early. 20 the, tweens. The 20, okay. Okay. Uh, Not the aughts, but the tweens. Yeah, the tweens. Uh-huh. Uh, it was like a live hip hop group called the Optimistics. Dope. And our drummer was a this sick reggae drummer uh-huh. uh, whose name was Jeremy, like yours. Mm-hmm. But his, in his music career, he was like total just went at full Rasta or uh-huh. style with the Reddy Dreddies. Oh, and, yeah. And so <laughs> we were, we'd always call him Red Lion and then he embraced it. And uh-huh. that's like his. Uh, that's like a stage name. name yeah it's his stage name his, now his moniker and then so to when, this day to this day yeah. Hell yeah he just did a sick show with uh i don't know if you know president brown or tough Line. oh yeah yeah okay um he's he's like a sick some, reggae drummer yeah he's got all the roots. all the fills hell yeah uh so when me and tony met you we were like another like <laughs> red jeremy was, and was, he, was he going l-i-o-n like like yeah the yeah, yeah yeah for yeah, sure I'm, I'm l-y, which, L-Y. Which you wouldn't really if that was your stage when we name, say you it, choose the there's y. a Y in it. <laughs> it's lined with a Y. I don't know if you guys caught that, but that's how I say it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but we were like, dude, there's another red lion and his last <laughs> name's lion. It's perfect. So I think Tony, Tony had this dream that, uh, someday we, we could convince you guys to do a collab, you know, red lion He's dream drummer? or King oh, lion dream, red, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we, I'm working with, uh, you know, John courage. He's, he's like, uh, a, a tall ginger man, uh, amazing guitarist and like total, uh, red curly fro. And so we're, he, he's had this idea for an all ginger band called stepchild. For like, he's had this idea for a long time. So we're working on stepchild. Nice. Side project. Hell yeah. Trio. I think we already have a drummer. I haven't met him yet, but, um, you know, he rocks and he's got red hair. So he kind of fits. It's a great, it might be the greatest hair color. It's yeah. It's first time having a band where like most people can't, wouldn't qualify to be in it. You yeah. Know? It just makes it simple. But we, we had a writing sash, which was, which was fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I learned that shooting you actually, the beauty of the red beard and the, like you had your hair down. It was like this beautiful angelic oh, yeah. thing. And you know, as a videographer, like color is such a big part of my life. And I'm like, Ooh, these reds, <laughs> you know, <laughs> They're just cherried out. Pushes man. it in a direction. Yeah. yeah. There's some colors that work for me and some that, that don't. So. Yeah, dude. Like a, it was like a, I was like filming a, a Renaissancean knight, a lord, if you will. You know, <laughs> resplendent with your tresses. And I think I conditioned for that show. So that was, that was a big one. For I can me. tell. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> we did the first night at, at uh, Hot Monks of Basketball and, and I I've had the hair up until we got on stage. And then Ben was like, you got to let those fucking curls yeah. down bro and then i kind of toss it you know but it's nice to have it ready to go before for sure dude you gotta let the eagle fly and yep. let the, the locks fall you know oh yeah i know I, I when i see the long hair now i miss my locks you when know, when did you cut it off i cut it off a year ago last fall so it's been uh-huh. two years now i think mm-hmm. yeah i went to costa rica and i came back it'd been a three-year voyage yeah but as i'm sure you know there's so like that year where you just have bad hair. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I feel like looking back on photo, like it feels like the in between phase is like a few months, mm -hmm. but then you just see photos of yourself from like a th multiple year period where you're like, no, I think the in between phase was a lot longer than the <laughs> yeah, totally than I remembered it being in the hindsight. But yeah, dude, I shed everywhere. Yeah, we were in the studio last night, and then yeah, Travis was just like finding my hair on the ground everywhere. I'm like, well, I've been pulling out my hair, making these. These records, you know. How's literally. your hair tie game? <laughs> it's just was that a process? Well, to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, it took to a minute to figure to figure that out. I kind of only just have that one move. I'm trying to learn the braids. I want to, you know, I want to do the Willie, the Willie braids. What are the Willie? Oh yeah, the Nelsons. Yeah, so you gotta get, you gotta get the thin, thin braids, and um, I, I can't I can't really do them myself. Yet, yeah, but dude, those are that's a solid look though. I see that's, that for you for sure. Hey, so it's the next it's the next logical phase in the long hair. It, it does like feel, I never could quite, never felt fully comfortable with the braids because of the scalp uh -huh. tension, Uh huh. but I respect it. Also, my hair is like very thin and I felt like I, even though it got to like nipple length, uh huh. Yeah. when I would braid it, it, it would like suddenly be like, and like shoot back it would up. Shoot, it would shoot up. I like, I like the pull. I used to pull my hair out when I was a kid. Oh, that's your I thing? I pulled out like a hair pull? whole bald patch and the. Yeah front of my forehead without <laughs> even realizing it. And there's just like a weird, like semi -certain. Yeah. I think it's like trichotillomania or something. Okay. Like just pulling your hair out. Trichotillomania. So. That's an album right there. So bro. <laughs> Maybe. Just like super aggro. <laughs> For the stepbrothers music. or whatever. Yeah. Or step, step siblings. What's it oh, called? Yeah, stepchild. Stepchild. Yeah. Telemeca aggro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could, uh, we need the lyrics. We were just writing it. Dude, that's to, album. To the like right YouTube, concept album. YouTube dude. drummer. Yeah. Groove. So it writes yeah. itself. That's dope, dude. Have you ever have you ever seen Almost Famous? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Dude, Love epic, it. right? Yeah. I uh, rewatched it like a, a year or two ago. I made Lash watch it with me. Uh huh. He never seen it. No, he doesn't watch a lot of movies. But uh -huh. I was like, bro, dude. This is the one that got the us all fired guy. up. And Fever Dog. I'm like, you got to hear yeah. Fever Dog, bro. I keep. I have like this. I'm on this holy mission from uh -huh. God to uh, find one of my rock rock band friends to cover Fever Dog. Cover. So just, just it's good for out Halloween. There, yeah, that's yeah. like that's got to be a Halloween in the in the Halloween running. Yeah, because we were thinking of covering like Walk Hard for a Halloween show nice. once. Yes, and actually with Courage, we we almost we were talking about covering. Uh, Beautiful ride, like yeah. you know, John C. Riley's like 100%. retrospective life song. Um, but yeah, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's great. Yeah, because he plays Lester Bangs in that mm -hmm. in that movie. And he's, Lester no, Bangs he's wrote crazy shit. I remember, I, yeah, there was like um, I'd taken like a it was just like American music, like one of those kind of like GE classes at college or something. Some you take credits. as a freshman, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was like reading Lester Banks stuff because he was like rock rock and roll's all about um just like asserting yourself before you're ready. You know, like he was super into like Iggy Pop and mm -hmm. especially and it was just like that whole idea of just like <laughs> jumping out and yelling, look you at me, him. look at me before you know, before you really know what you're trying to say or Yeah, for sure. Really have anything figured out. Dude, the line <laughs> from that movie that always stuck with me from Philip Seymour Hoffman where he's like, I know you wanna be cool. <laughs> yeah. You and me, we're not cool. Yeah. They're not your friends. Yeah, they're not your friends. <laughs> so, dude, I love. Yeah, I I wasn't sure if it was gonna hold up. Uh huh. Because it, when I was in seventh grade and I watched that, it was like 
Yeah. I was in love with Kate Hudson. Of course. I wanted, you know, it was like the rock star dream. Yeah. I think a lot of people's dreams got launched from that. Uh, But this time, I wasn't sure if it was going to hold up, but the movie was great. But I found her character almost unbearable. Yeah. Just the the things she said were... They seemed really profound to like my seventh grade oh, brain. Oh, right. Yeah. And then I got yeah, like to this stage and like I was like, high and yeah, was, they didn't quite But a bunch of people are in it, right? I mean, like Zoe Deschanel's mm-hmm. the, the older sister. Older sister. Um, you got Jason Lee, who's like the great front man. Okay. You're the mysterious guitar player. Right. I'm the front yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think when I re I rewatched it a few years ago and I think. I was probably more impressed by. I'm trying to remember the lead guitarist name in in the movie. He's, oh, he's got uh, this whole George he's got Harrison the best vibe guitar name too. going it's, on. It's um, but he always seems like it, yeah. the mysterious, like above all the business stuff. But then he also kind of just seemed like more Dude, into he, himself and yeah, like not yeah, as yeah, totally. But that's I what's so good about the movie, God. right? It's like you watch yeah. it as, as a teenager and you think everyone's more deep, and then you watch it in totally. the 30s and you're like, I always got like, Aragorn no vibes off they. of him. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, and, but yeah, I'm trying to think that there was a lot of, uh, a lot of cameos in that one that, you know, one of the cool things when you watch, go back and watch like those movies in the early nineties or this was, I think later, early two thousands, you see all these people that are like so early in their career right where it's like an all-star cast, but none of them have made it. Yeah. You're like that. Oh yeah. I must've. That must have been, been the movie that broke him or something. Yeah, you know? exactly. They, they, uh, In a good way, broke him out. Yeah, exactly. Interesting storylines and all that. Nice, man. Well, dude, uh, Jeremy Lyons. Lion. <laughs> Lion. Uh, you have the same thing with your last name. I had that in, in school. Well, in school, yeah, there, there is a girl. I think she was in the grade above me or something. Sophie Lyons. So then everyone thought that we were siblings, but we were not. And we didn't look anything alike. Yeah. Mine was but like. I was always. Mine was Terrell Owens, you know, everyone just oh, puts yeah. ass on that in my because we're obviously <laughs> you also kind of look the same totally people. the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so number eighty one, right? Wasn't yeah. wasn't TO eighty one for the for the Niners? Because he came in when yeah. it was right, it was like Rice was eighty. Okay. TO you know was eighty one. Yeah. And then they had JJ Stokes too, right? That was when it was like Stokes. Yeah, that was like the three. I just remember back his when I watched cell football. phone. I have so much like sport, like athletes from like the late nineties, and yeah. then and then I just kind of got into music and stopped watching at least like American were sports. A, for were like you a 20s. jock growing up? Yeah, I, I, I was I was a soccer jock. I nice. still love soccer. I'm like obsessed with soccer. Bro, you got to come play on my squad, dude. You have a soccer team. What, I'm on two soccer teams now. Really? Yeah. Where yeah. at? We play on Tuesday nights late. At Gilman Fields. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And then... Um, they didn't even have those when we were growing up. Dude, those there's two like, leagues out here now. And then uh-huh. I'm on a, another one, men, uh, 11 v. 11 men's team. The other oh, one's co-ed. Uh-huh. That's going to be on, I think, on Sundays. Yeah. But it's fun. I'm man. down. I was doing, like, indoor soccer in uh, Santa Rosa. I just got... Nice. I had, like, it signed up right before COVID, and then that canceled everything. And then, uh, and then I just joined a team, like... Uh, a few months ago Tight. and that season just ended. And then I, I'm, I'm touring more mm-hmm. for the next few months. So you ever, really you ever played that indoor center, like on the 116, no, like coming into Sebastopol. Oh, Oh, you know well, what I'm talking about? Sports city. I think I haven't played at that one. I played at the one, then they, they have a sports city at epicenter, which is like this whole complex with like an arcade and, okay. and a bowling alley and stuff. And, um, but yeah, so I joined a couple teams for that. And that was the first time I'd played since college. It was so fun. We like lost, 
almost every game between both teams, but like, I'm like, well, we lost 10 2, but like, I scored one goal. There you go. <laughs> Once I score, I can great. relax. Until yeah. then, I'm like, I'm a failure. <laughs> Do you play striker up top? or That your- one is like, no one really has, but I don't even know anyone's name really on the teams. And um, like, you know, you just kind of switch around. Yeah. Generally try to go in more up top, and then you get tired after like two minutes, and then. <laughs> Yeah, kind of work your way into defense, and then uh, running up and, uh, and then you guys start losing pretty bad. And you're like, well, I don't care if we lose by more, so I'm just going to hang up top and Full try attack. to score a goal. I'd rather yeah. lose exactly lose ten to three than than seven to one. You know? I love that, dude. Where did you go to school? Uh, I went to Redwood Day School, okay. K through eight, which is like off MacArthur, solid. And then uh, and then I went to high school in San Francisco at a at Lick Wilmerding High oh, School. Oh, good old Lick Wilmer. Yeah, pretty funny. Funny name. We played the you guys like in what? volleyball Switch, in high school. Switchers. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. How'd uh, how'd it go? <laughs> we uh, we Did you guys crush at volleyball. We we crushed, dude. Actually, I was privileged enough to be on a like three time NCS title team. Oh, we we had won our division as well, like the league. Um, we just had this like crazy front line that was like a we had like a six six Tongan middle hitter, and then. Other you guys guy recruiting? Was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's recruit. public school. No, we went up against like Marine Catholic that uh-huh. did recruit, and that was always a rivalry between my high school and them. Uh-huh. But and Branson as well. But no, we just got uh-huh. like blessed with this crazy. You know, the other two guys were like six four with crazy verticals, and yeah, I was just the little back back row defensive specialist. You uh-huh. know? But our coach was this uh, amazing guy. Shout out Dan Dibley. Um, really. Really great coach. He's now uh, one of the radio hosts of 95.7 The Game. Oh, sick. Um, he's amazing on the air. Like He actually came on this podcast Dude, last that's year, awesome. which is a big moment for me because he's family friend, but also uh-huh. like I listen. I was listening to him, to him this morning. It's a I'm, really I'm still in touch with the, with my high school soccer coach, nice. uh, Matt Kernick. Yeah, but I like played like a house show out. He lived on the East Coast and was doing like a solo tour out there. Um like last summer, and so yeah, he had me come out and hell yeah, played there and comes to some shows. He got he got me into like a bunch of music. So he got me into my morning jacket, which is like one of my biggest influences. He like burned me evil urges. Nice, hell yeah, and and the bands and Radiohead the bands too. He burned okay. me that CD. And those were like important, super yeah. I know super my inspiring records. My high me. school soccer coach would always come through with the Cuddy '90s hip hop mixtapes for me. Nice shout out Ayala. Yeah. I see you, bro. I love you. Uh, I always the man, but, uh, no, that's important. I mean, I think it's dope when you have that leadership and when you have a coach who's like tuned into the, yeah, I mean, he was probably in his twenties or something when he was coaching me, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. He's like got this after school gig and my dad was super into the, I mean, he's, he's British. He's like, you know, um, it's just like a whole other level of fan, but yeah, he was like living in the Excelsior. And then they'd build like a sports complex there. And I just remember like after I graduated, he would still go to like my high school team soccer games, even though I wasn't there. <laughs> and then like the ref would like kick him out of the game for like <laughs> being a hooligan. And they'd be like, like, who's your like who's your son on the team? And they're like, it's like my son's that doesn't even go here anymore. <laughs> like I'm just I'm just out for the the free soccer games, man, around the corner. I bet the British accent bought him some extra leash from the refs, though. A, li- a little, not yeah. It's, it's a cultural thing, you know. But screaming. We had a British dad when I was growing up playing soccer too. That the voice always stuck out amongst the the tumult of the crowd. Yeah, Quilly! 
Pass the ball to Morgan Quilly. <laughs> it was just like a, that's an a inside joke. Yeah, yeah. that's nicer. <laughs> I remember there was one like yeah we'd play like you know because you'd like play these tournaments on the weekends. Uh-huh. And there was a team called Eldorado. There's Eldorado where they're you know from like near Sacramento, but they uh-huh. they were like the best in the state. But there's there was Cody and like his mom would just be like, "Go Cody, like kill him!" <laughs> and it was like super violent, like Damn. just like murder them, break his ankle. It's like it's not very tactical information, and also like a little too aggressive for like eleven yeah, year olds. Dirty. Yeah. Um, you want to shut that window? Actually. Oh yeah. I, I don't think these sounds are coming through. You got all you got all your mail coming through. Got my mail coming already, through. I know. So I had to get my love letters. Yeah. And my hate mail all in one. <laughs> um. Tight, dude. How did you get? I wanted to ask you because I've always been curious. Um, what got you started on music? When when did that journey begin for you? Guitar is my my first love, and I was uh, I was like six. I was um, I was like in first grade, and then I guess my like first grade teacher had suggested to my parents that I would be into music, and um, it was kind of right around the time like my parents were splitting up too. Um, so I feel like maybe that is something to, you know, it kind of became like an outlet mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I just like, I think I took a few guitar lessons, this guy, David Solis. And then, um, they were like, do you want to keep going? I was like, yeah. So I just had like half size classical guitar and then three quarter size classical guitar. And then, uh, my first little band was called the Fender Benders. Cause we both had Squire strats, Sick. you know, you get like the Squire strat yeah. pack. It was like me and this guy, Noah. And, uh. We played Hard Day's Night, and we were just standing on top of those little, like, Fender frontman, like, 15-watt solid-state amps. And, um... Is that, like, the Garage Band package or yeah, whatever? Yeah, yeah, it's, like, Guitar Center. It's, like, 200 bucks. Sorry, yeah, Guitar Center yeah, package. Yeah, and, uh... So that was kind of how it started. Yeah, and I was lucky. There was, um... This organization, YPI, but the, my... She was, like... She used to be the music teacher at my grade school, and then she left and she started her own like after school music program. And so I would get lessons through YPI on scholarship and, uh, and then I'd be like an intern there, like running like summer camp band, like rock bands and stuff. And then I'd be teaching there. So like in high school, I would just take like the 43 bus and I'd be like teaching kids after school. Like everyone was just on the same line. So do like private lessons, teaching them and, um, running like middle school bands, you know, when I was in high school and, uh, it's been sweet now because she's like semi-retired. You know, she's like in her in her seventies, but um, like a bunch of music buddies from the Bay now have been like Daniel Eric's been running it, and like Tracy Holland, who's got a band called Vandella. She like runs the billing and stuff. Nice. And, uh, I'm like teaching it, uh, and I'm teaching it at a school in Petaluma with like Andrew Lubbacher and like just you know, oh, sick. Joey Lynch, just like yeah. a bunch of homies. So hell yeah, it's cool. Like been able to like help her keep that program going and like get. Get musician friends work and helping it kind of keep the bay teaching alliance alive. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, yeah. I don't know. That's kind of that's kind of how I started with guitar. And mm-hmm. I didn't start singing until like senior year of high school. I had a high school band with with Greg too. Play, he plays mandolin and brothers comatose and and Zach, um, who plays bass with me. He's, uh, did you? Because I remember when we first met, when we made the connection that we both. Our friends with Ryan Schaefer. Oh yeah. Were, were, so, did you so guys? I knew, pl- okay, yeah. So I played with Ryan Schaefer, and I, I knew him through Ian McCardle. Shout out Schaefer. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> my boy. Yeah, dude, Ryan's. Oh uh, yeah, we'd, we'd play. 
uh, up in in Eugene with with Puff Puff Beer. Oh, too. sick! After okay. that, but yeah, Ryan and I used to we we would jam like uh, I guess like freshman year of high school because through Ian McArdle, who went, I went to middle school with him, and so gotcha. he was he's an amazing jazz pianist, and then he also played drums like back in the day. I'm not sure if he's still drumming, mm-hmm. but he's insane. Uh, yeah, he's a player. Yeah, that dude's a shredder. monster player, and um, he was teaching my little brother piano for a bit too. Nice. Actually, but he um, he connected us because then he went to O'Dowd. And right was, and was playing with Ryan and yeah. so we, yeah, nice, yeah, dude. yeah. Ryan's a good, a good times. dude. We, we, He's a great player. We just kicked it and watched the Super Bowl together. Hell yeah! Uh, rolled over He's to his chiller, house, man. dude. It was so sick. He's one of my. I haven't seen him in a while. What's he? What's he up to? He's teaching. He's like built a little studio under his house. He's like living right, uh, kind of over by the Safeway on Grand. Uh huh. That neighborhood. Nice. Yeah. And his his parents bought this house I think years ago or whatever, and he's like kind of managing it and renting. Mm-hmm. He's got this sweet apartment and doing it, the lesson thing. And, yeah. you know, I think still has his musical projects going or whatever, but mm-hmm. we had a band together a couple of years ago, me and him. And, uh, yeah, just my boy. Like he reminds yeah. me so much of Tony, uh-huh. uh, both in his temperament and like in his playing style. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we were putting together, it was this band called the Hitsville soul sisters. It's like a, Says kind of Motown, Motown vibe. review with some '90s R&B mixed in there. Uh-huh. I was playing keys and I couldn't get my brother, so I was like, "Okay." I lived with uh, my my buddy Grayson at the time, who was his, uh, like Ryan's roommate in college, and so I'd met Ryan. I was like, mm-hmm. "Hit him up." I was like, "Yeah, dude, like for sure." And it, he was great. And uh, hell yeah, we were. It's funny we were talking at at the Super Bowl. I don't know if. You remember it was for PlayStation Two. There was this game called, uh, I think it was NFL Blitz for PlayStation. Okay. And it was like, yeah, but I mean, I've, I've played Blitz, but not. Yeah, not we on all PS2. know the original Blitz yeah. for N sixty four, one of the greatest games of all time. Uh, but so they came out. They tried to like revamp the genre. Uh uh-huh. And and make keep it edgy. Uh uh-huh. So it's like a football game where you can like actively try to injure players. If uh-huh. injuries happen, it'll like show an X-ray of a bone breaking, like an animation. <laughs> it's very like intense. And then, if your player gets injured, like a little like option box comes up, and it's like rest him, and then he's out for like a quarter or something, uh-huh. or give him the juice. And it it cuts to an animation of a doctor like shooting a shot into the dude's ass, <laughs> and he's like, oh, and then like, and then he's only out for one play, and it. Cuts wow. to like him on the sideline, and he's like, just like kind of jittery sweating, and like <laughs> fluorescent. Oh yeah, uh, and I think like neon. it increases the probability of the player getting injured again. But like, you always hit the juice. It just shrinks his balls. Exactly. It's, so we it's were talking it. Uh, yeah, we were talking at Super Bowl about that game. We got super <laughs> fired up, and we like we're gonna try to download it, but we couldn't find it. So he's like, I'm gonna just buy it online, and then. Last week I got a text from him that from him that was just a picture of the box got, and he's like, "Bro, it. you ready?" And I'm like, Fuck. <laughs> "So I got to go over there and play some NFL blitz." <laughs> got to juice up some injured. Uh, yeah, dude, juice up some like. Well, I guess yeah, because Madden was out, they have to like kind of carve out their own niche. Totally, right? they got to be like we're like the arena football. You know, it's like exactly big, bigger hits. It's like the any given fights. Sunday of of football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what's up, dude. So. Um, I met when I met you at the first time. I think you were playing in Whisker Man, right? Mm-hmm. And then King Dream has come more recently. Is that so, true? Or is that yeah. Not- well, so what happened? Um, 
was that I started playing with Graham in Papa Bear and the Easy Love. I was playing with Graham through Papa Bear. Oh, that was and, the I mean, original. Uh, that's when we started playing music together. And okay. then we'd also, I mean, we'd, I'd, I'd known him before. So, so I had a band called, uh, I'd started a band called Tumbleweed Wanderers with Zach back in like 2011. And then we were touring for like five years and then that broke up in 2016. And then I started playing solo and Papa Bear brought me into like his whole community. He's like a great kind of connector. Yeah. And, um, we've had so, him on the show. Yeah. Dude, he's the man. He's the man. Papa is the man. Yeah. I love him. And, um, so I was playing with him and like he had me come out to do like Intrepid, which is like a kind of gathering festival he had. I got to play solo out there and I started jamming with Graham. And then we had like an acid New Year's Day packed at a spot to like, uh, you know, because I had solo stuff and he, so we had a pact that he'd like produce King Dream record. So that was in 2017. And he came over a couple times just to my apartment. I, I used to live right around here. I was on 60th and Telegraph. Nice. And uh, so he came over. I played him all the songs I had. We picked out a dozen tunes. Um, I got uh, we got Cody Rhodes and Scott Patton as the rhythm section. I've been playing with them. And um, I've been playing with Cody and Debbie's band. And I've been playing uh, with Scott. Like I've played with him up at Terrapin a bit and with Avi from Gunai, Texas. And um, so we made that record at Bird and Egg with, with Nino. Michelle, and then um, right after making that record, then Graham has asked me if I wanted to, to do some stuff with Whisker Man as well. So then I kind of moved into playing playing with Whisker Man with, with Dan and, and Will and Charles as well. So yeah, it was awesome because I was yeah I was a big Whisker Man fan. For, mm-hmm. I mean that was kind of why I wanted Graham to produce the record. And right. I remember like you know buddies in my old band had seen him play like. Back when they were starting out, and yeah, and, you know, I remember seeing, Man. remember seeing you guys for the first time out at Smiley's in Bellinas. Uh huh. My brother, like, I think, kicked it with, with Graham. Maybe you were there too one night, and he was like talking about these dudes that play like sick classic rock. Mm-hmm. And he took me out, and like the show, it was like it gave me all my old like Zeppelin feels. You yeah, know? and it was just like, yes. yeah, <laughs> I remember laughter. I'm remembering <laughs> laughter. You know. Like, uh, and the, like was, Ram's head with the yeah. Levy Briggs vibe, and the, yeah, I mean yeah. the other way we knew it was was because uh, then Nick, who was the original Whisker Man drummer, um, he he drummed with Tumbleweed on our our second album release tour. So we did a couple month like national tour with him at the end of uh, 2015, and and then when Dan moved, then uh, like when Dan moved back to New York, then Nick has kind of come back in and been playing drums in the band again. So that's been cool. It's kind of like this whole. Full circle. Full circle. I didn't know Nick was the original. Yeah. And we like, we'd had early, you know, we'd played at like Vessel Gallery. Like it was like, you know, first Friday, like Oakland mm-hmm. thing where like Whisker Man and Tumbleweed back in the day played and our buddy Steve Taylor. And we'd played at like uh, Denord together, like 10, you know, mm-hmm. 2012. And uh, Playing we'd for done something up at, uh, <laughs> at Uptown, yeah, at the Uptown, uh, like another first Friday thing. So, nice. you know, we'd kind of been in orbit. Mm hmm. For a while but yeah yeah it was so i yeah i joined once they started making kingdom illusion the, the fourth whisker man album gotcha so uh yeah i remember like i came over and graham had showed me like um belly of the beast and be real and uh and the great unknown they'd, they'd like attract those three like right after a big tour they'd done and and be real is just like one of the best songs i'd ever heard mm-hmm. and i was like the first time i heard it I was like this is the best song 
that like anyone I know has ever written. So I was like, fuck yeah, I want to join. Oh yeah. That yeah. was my first experience of Patsner was at, you ever been out to Nick Baker's barn in Lagunitas? Uh, no, no. You know what I'm t- who I'm talking about though? I don't, I don't think I know Nick so Baker. Nick Baker's amazing dude up in Marin and mm-hmm. he's has the, uh, in Lagunitas, beautiful home is his parents home with this big red barn mm-hmm. and they've been doing for the last few years like these kind of concert event series like it's just like a big party mm-hmm. and they get a band the honey drops have played there oh, um yeah. i'm trying to think elizabeth moen i don't know if you know oh, her. yeah yeah they've had like she's great a bunch of different yeah. groups out there and it's always like a fun all-night party mm-hmm. and i remember there's always jams going around the fire late night and uh just remember seeing Patsner, I had no idea who this guy was, but he got up and did the whole like be real kind of uh, soliloquy monologue thing uh, that's part of that song and where it just keeps building. And I was just like, who is this guy? <laughs> you know, but also like, this is sick. Yeah. You know? And yeah. Uh, and then later when I got into the music, I remember listening to that song and I'm like, oh, that's what <laughs> that was. Oh, sick. Yeah. yeah. Really dope. Really dope. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I love Anton and Lewis, his, his brothers too. I remember I'd, I'd seen them playing with like uh, Mates of State back when I was in high school at uh, at Slims because they'd be like the um, Lewis like plays trombone and cello. Like they they could just be like a horn section and then they'd be a string section on the next song. You know? Okay. Like, just, yeah, these guys are yeah wild. And Judgment Day too. They had the string metal band. Oh, sick! They used to play with uh, with like Panda and you know like the Oakland Metro and okay. And Blake's and stuff and Judgment Day were just like progressive, like string metal. Tight. They were just shreds so hard. Oh yeah. Where where does the name King Dream come from? I got it from the Sandman comic series by Neil Gaiman. Okay. Uh, yeah, me and uh, my wife Caitlin, we were just like she showed me this comic series. And we were reading it, and um, that was kind of when I was figuring out the sort of solo project thing. And like, you know, you're just kind of always on the lookout for for band names mm-hmm. and, the, and then that one just kind of is that a character from the comic or? yeah that's more yeah it's like one of the names it's like the king of you know he, the king of dreams also goes by like morpheus is like another one of his his main names but more morpheus was like uh, you know very uh matrixy very matrixy <laughs> yeah or like, for, i'm not gonna go around calling it morpheus yeah, right. uh but like i just liked the ring and then it was it's like one of those names too where you're like this has to be taken already. Like there's just like two common words. Yeah, it's a solid, solid um, name. But it's a name that it, sounds like a band. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I'd have like a long band name too. I don't know. There's just something with like the length too, or it's like, you know, if it's too long, people are mm-hmm. like, what, what, what? We had a we got into a a long discussion the other night. It was like me and Tara, my roommate, yeah, and, yeah. and oh, yeah. uh, Chris H- Chris Hoog was over here. Yeah. We got into this long discussion just about, you know, what makes a good band name and the debate of like having an and the band name versus uh-huh. not. You uh-huh. know? I I remember when we were trying to come up with like the name for the optimistics, I was very like firmly like there's some cool and the band names out there, but I think like I've tried to come up with, I like it when bands come up with like a phrase or a yeah. couple words. Like I think it there's, there's a strength there to let's a lot of times the, and the, to me sounds like it kind of dilutes things a little bit. 
What I would say, well, usually it's the and the is just is saying that it's a front person, right. and the backing band, mm-hmm. and over time, then it usually kind of ends up that there can be potentially a rift between, right? Them a wanting to have some more autonomy yeah, yeah, yeah. over, like, well, they were insisting on having their name and the band, totally, which kind of shows where it is. And for for me, it's it's kind. Of, I, I mean, I've I had it where it was like, well, then if I play solo, is it Jeremy Lyon or mm-hmm. is it? King Dream solo and and you know to me it's like the full vision is to have a full band but I feel like when you're s- starting out like you have to be malleable too I mean it's like you know I love it when we have like a seven piece band on stage and we got yeah three guitars and keys and you know guests but like there's not budget for that totally. for a lot of the gigs so um you yeah, want to be yeah. able to like open solo for like a national at the last minute when the sure. opener dropped off you know yeah so trying to build up your own name and mm-hmm. the name of a project to me seem it's like hard enough to get someone to remember one thing. So I'd just be like, it's King Dream. If I'm mm-hmm. playing solo, it's King Dream solo. Right. But same songs, you know, yeah, like yeah. I don't really, if I play solo, I want to have, you know, totally. whatever the new stuff I'm working on is, or, you know, like if you're playing a full band rock show, you're trying to not, you know, have too many slow songs or something. So there's, so you use there's opportunity the, to get to change up the set, but it's still like the same catalog of tunes. And so solo. you're saying that you use the name King Dream interchangeably for your solo and for with the group. Yeah, it's the, it's the name of the project. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing those songs, that's the umbrella term for. Yeah, because it's like I mean it's all self. So it's like I book all the stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we arrange the songs as a band, but like I'm I'm paying for the studio time and. Um, you know, paying to get the merch made and stuff totally. and then pay. I wanted to ask you pay actually. Pay the homies, you know, yeah, per, per gig and and per like track that we record on and stuff. But, For you know, sure. I've done it. The old band, like I did it before where we were all equal partners mm-hmm. and, and made all the decisions together too. And uh, Yeah, where do you come down on the democracy versus – you know, I think uh, leadership like, band models. I've had it where it's like when you're like in your late teens and early twenties. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, we like dropped everything and that was all we were doing. Yeah. So you got so many, you feel so passionate about so many decisions and like wanted it to all be democracy. And then now it's like I'm playing a bunch of bands and it's like, we're usually the onus is on the songwriter to book the shows and, and all that stuff. But it's nice. Cause it's like most people have jobs and, <laughs> Right, like, we don't have time to like sit around and think about all these mm-hmm. kind of other decisions. So it's nice, like, to have someone who's kind of taking the lead on it. Are you writing like most or all of the King Dream music? Yeah, yeah, I yeah I write all of it, and you know everyone who plays in it has other. You know, like Zach's got his own project. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Adam plays like guitar in everyone's band, and Nick's drumming with Kelly McFarling and Whisker Man, and. And Brittany's wife, she's got an awesome project that she just started too. Nice. So, so it feels like, yeah, you know, and I'm like trying to bring everyone more involved creatively into it too. I mean, mm-hmm. what it kind of happened with that project was like, I started out with like a totally different band on the record. And then um, when I made that record, I was like, I just want to make another record. I'm not, I don't know if I'm really like trying to be like going to do this full time again. And then I had so much fun doing that that then i was like of course like i want to you know make a run for it again and and, um was trying to just you know book like west coast tours again and you know when you try to get the top people you can like 
on your record, then everyone's busy for touring and, and stuff. So um, there was kind of this natural evolution where I just kind of went back to playing with like my best buds again, who, and it kind of ended up just for the most part being pretty much the same lineup as like how Tumbleweed had, had left off, but kind of took like a five year sort of full mm -hmm. circle thing to kind of get back to that. And then uh, that kind of got us to like 2019, 2020. And we did a four song, we made like a four song EP, just like singles, just like bangers to kind of, I was like, I'm just going to go all, we're going to go all out on these. We've been like gigging these tunes and and then, uh, and then it was locked down. And then instead of like shopping that around, I just kind of built up the home studio and kept writing. And it was like everyone in the band from the time we started making that record to the time that it got mastered at the end of last year, like everyone's moved, like three of us have gotten married. Um, like a lot of, a lot of life <laughs> yeah, kind of happened over, over the process of making that record. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Would, uh, wanted to ask you, what's uh like what, what was the process of you? Like, I guess I should start by asking you, how do you define the type of music that is King Dream? Like, how would you describe it to someone when you're telling them about your band? Um, I think it's it started off as more like psych rock, and um. I think then I was kind of, there'd be some stuff I would write that would feel more mainstream. I'd be like, I can't like play this. It's not like heady and weird enough. And then <laughs> I was like, I just want to follow all the songs to their fruition. Mm -hmm. And so I think now the the new one's more, it's, well, it's a triple album that I've been working on for three years. Damn. And I kind of went in three different directions. So there's like an alternative rock record that I feel like, you know, it's, more like shit, like I would have wanted to hear like on Live 105 or something like, back, you know, it's a little more, maybe it's a little like 2000s, like alternative hey. rock. Oh, yeah. hopefully, hopefully it sounds cutting edge and shit like you never heard yeah. Same, and same, there, but different. Yeah. And then there's, then there's like another set, the, the middle records more of like, um, uh, some of it's more psych rock, but then there's also this kind of like bedroom, like our Neo R&B kind of vibe that's like a little more. I don't know, like kind of thick layered vocals and like a bit more groove oriented. And then there's like the more kind of singer songwriter Americana side, a little more like Father John Misty vibe. So it's been kind of branching out in like two different directions. But the, yeah, the live show is like anthemic rock, festy rock. You know? Nice. I want to headline Bonnaroo, dude. <laughs> when you set out to write this, this, uh, when you set out to write a song, mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, how does that process start for you? Where do you find that inspiration? Is it something that happens spontaneously? Do you have to like sit down and be like, I'm going to write a prog song or I'm going to write a, you know, like, uh -huh. what is that process like for you as, as a creator? Um, a lot of times it starts with, with the riff for me. I feel okay. like I'm just kind of a guitar player first. Yeah. Uh, and the, the more I've been, the longer I've been writing songs, the more I try to have the melody just so intrinsically entwined with the riff or the chords. Like you can tell when someone just like has a standard chord progression, you know, and then like, they're just trying stuff out and it's like the melody and the chords should just be, it should just sound like one thing that like mm -hmm. you can't separate them. And, um, and I usually just like play 
the progression or whatever, you know, over and over. And the more the more I write too, the more I try to not think about the genre of it at all. Um, so I'm trying to write more stuff where it's like I don't even know what kind of music you would. It's just it is it's what a it strong is. melody yeah. and it and it yeah. And usually when it's good, I feel you know it feels like it's kind of always been there. I don't feel like I'm in the way of it. It's mm -hmm. like trying to trying to get out of the way of the song and just let it just like follow, follow like, the melody. Follow, follow where it takes you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the more you can follow it into just what feels right is good. And then lyrically, a lot of times I'll just come up with like a couple lines at a time. I'll be like driving or something or, uh, I don't, it's not like I go for walks and just write whole songs because <laughs> some people do that. It's right. great, but it's definitely right. like, or a lot of times I'll just be sitting, sitting on my couch and something will come and I, yeah, just try to follow Follow it lyrically until until it's getting worse, <laughs> and then stop it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like lyrics come to me kind of in in pieces. It's it's rare for me to like sit down and be like, I'm gonna write a song about love right now from start to finish. You know, it's mm -hmm. just kind of like throw these it at lines the dart, that throw stick the darts with at me. the dartboard. Yeah, with the, with the word. <laughs> you, uh, yeah. So would you would you say that? you you tend to write your chords or like around the melody like the melody comes first and then you kind of like hash out what the chords are going to be to support that now or? now it's kind of happening at the same time okay. i think i think if i can if you can write the chords and the melody at the same time usually whenever you get stuck one of those two will break you out of it you gotcha. know if you're like trying to figure out where the melody should go figure out where the next chord's going to go and what would fit over that and um if you're feeling stuck harmonically you know lean on the melody and hear where the melody wants to go. Nice. And what are, what are your like key productive hours? That's a good question. I think me, uh, yeah, me and my wife, we're, we're on a pretty late night schedule. So for me, it's probably like 5 PM till like 4 AM. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's nice getting to record. I mean, it's recording a lot more at home too. It's like, you're not on like, um, you know, a pro studio schedule. So it's fun being able to go. Do you guys keep all your instruments set up, like ready to rumble? <sighs> I wish I'm trying. It's, it's a pretty tight space. So it's like, yeah, I mean, we got a good situation out in bodega for yeah, sure. The, yeah. dream, the dream is to have like a mic, like a drum kit fully mic'd up and have all the amps just mic'd up and like ready to hit record, you know, it's, it's but, amazing. Uh, what... I usually have to, still got to set up the yeah. drum kit and, and mic it up and, Totally. And stuff. It's amazing what like even having your guitar in your guitar bag, uh, like, the subtle like barrier that right. can be to yeah. sitting down and playing. Totally. You know? Like I like try to keep my bass. Yeah. Not in a bag just on hand, uh -huh. so that it's just like it's all about those wall hangers. We got like right. nine wall hangers or something. How how many guitars do you keep in rotation at any given time? Um, I've got like. Three three main electric guitars and um, and like a couple acoustic guitars. So yeah, about five or six. Um, yeah, I have like a twelve string acoustic. You know, there's like a lot of kind of more like blissed out seventies. You tend rock, to gig with all of them. Run. Like, do you bring your rack no, out? I, I had a I had a period where I was trying to like I'd be like, this is a Strat song, this is a Les Paul song, and then now it's just like it's schlepping too much stuff to a gig, and it's also like. Just trying to get those, um, trying to get the the gaps between songs down. You know, just trying to have quick transitions. So now I kind of just play. 
I got this, got the Gretsch White Falcon. I was trying to just just play the White. Dude, Falcon that thing's live. beautiful. I remember, <laughs> I remember in the, with the Cone Brio session. I was like, oh, <laughs> such a sick color. one song, yeah. third guitar. Yeah, it was super flashy. Yeah. Even if you didn't play a word as a videographer, I'm like, oh, this thing is. Yeah. This thing is <laughs> just that creamy was, white and gold. And I got it in Nashville. I was on a quest. I like called every guitar shop in Nashville when I was playing out there, and and uh, one shop had one, and and I I got I I tried it out. And I was like, I'm gonna like sleep on it, you know. And they're like, uh huh. Like, sure, you're never coming back here. And then and then I was meeting up with this dude who I hadn't seen. I saw the last time I'd seen him, we were stretching him off a, a mountain. Uh, when we were 14 and then he like popped up in Nashville and, uh, and we, we met up and then he, he was like, Oh yeah, meet, we'll meet up at this like fried chicken spot. And Stretching I was driving him there. off a mountain. Yeah. He'd had some, some crazy shit had happened where it was like, yeah, we were like 14 at like a summer camp hiking through like the Catskills on like a three day backpacking trip. Mm -hmm. And like, he like fell behind and, uh, and it was like super traumatic for him, but you know, and he was like kind of having like going into sort of like a, like a seizure or some kind of a fit. And so we had to like, um, you know, the council is another situations where you're like the cat, the, like the counselor dude who's in charge of this thing is probably like 20 years old. Like he's probably freaking out too. Um, but we like cut open a backpack and like made a stretcher and like carried him down a mountain and then like called in to a like 911 and he got like helicoptered out and like Damn. went to a like uh went to a hospital and took super long to recover he was just like not getting enough oxygen like to the rest of his body and like I talked to him he was like yeah man it took like months and years of rehab to like be able to walk again and stuff and anyway so I was meeting up with him for lunch in in Nashville and then he sent me the spot and then I'm like driving there and it's like the same exact route as the guitar store and it ended up being like next door to the guitar store which is just a coincidence but i was like it's clearly a sign from the guitar gods that i need to go back to the store and buy this guitar hell yeah um it's the only way you could interpret that you gotta have a legend the, behind the, your the axe, google maps man. thing because yeah. i was like did i put it in? I, I must not have put it in the right location but that's, then it was mine that's yeah. epic dude that's that's the, the legend of the White Falcon. Dude, the legend of the White Falcon, that's what you call it, the White Falcon? Yeah. It says it's got a little plaque on there that, on the headstock that says the White Falcon. Sick. Okay. I love that. Yeah, I had this <laughs> idea. <laughs> I had this idea a couple years back when my brother was, you know, started getting into building guitars. Uh -huh. I was like, dude, I have a great business idea. Uh -huh. um, it's called Legendary Axes. And... Uh -huh. Like you make the guitars and then I will write a page of lore yes. about the guitar, yes. you know, like forged in the fiery pits of, you know, this was yeah. a, you know, a lightning bolt was crystallized in a magic <laughs> stone and embedded in the fretboard. And I'm like, then we could just like sell these like at a huge markup for to techies, you know, yeah. or like home recorders who like are also into like fantasy lore, you uh -huh. know? And the, you know everything comes with an authentic scroll. Uh, so, yeah, you know? <laughs> you'd like burn the edges of the scroll. Exactly. And, like, it's like seal it in wax and exactly. Yeah, yeah. The whole uh -huh. nine yards, you know, and because I think that similar to swords, like a guitar is, it like kind of fulfills that same 
void it's, of it's an axe, you yeah, know. I mean, exactly. you're, it's more of a dwarf a dwarf yes, instrument for sure than a <laughs> yeah. What would be the different than, than, a, than, a, than a, an instrument of man or an instrument of I of think elf. orcs would be bass probably or drums. Yeah, elf. Would... Well, you get the the warlocks and stuff, you know. Yeah, BC rich for sure. <laughs> no, it's it, what would be what what would the elves play then? What's the elven thing? In a rock uh, band setting, I'm saying. Maybe violin. You know, I mean, there's not as many violin players in, in rock, but True. I think it's kind of an elven. I feel like there's like multiple violin players I know who like kind of rock the like like men in tights kind of vibe, you know? <laughs> nice. Which, uh, so I feel like that. And they, yeah, they kind of have an elven quality to them. For sure. Or I, I think, uh, I don't know if you ever saw it. There's this great painting of um it's a star wars rock show and no. it has like all the characters uh-huh. and they like nailed the instrument for every oh yeah uh for every player like vader's on bass like uh-huh. just doing this like floating double bass <laughs> and then or i mean electric bass but like i think it's like a six or seven string and then you have uh luke's on a like a fender uh-huh. And then Hans on like life. a semi hollow or like a Gibson or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got like C three PO and R two are playing keys. Uh-huh. Uh, Chewbacca's yeah, on drums. Yeah, they're definitely they need synthesizers. Yeah, so. they're synth and then Chewbacca's yeah. on drums and then Leia <laughs> Leia's uh, singing folks. And it was just like like spot on, you know, like they nailed all the characters. I love that. Um, Leia, she could like rip saxophone too or something. That'd be that'd be tight. Yeah, like a schmaltzy sax. Yeah, yeah. Kind of vibe. Just got, Smooth jazz. Just got a lot of a lot of phases. Yeah, what layer are we talking about with the buns or the Jabba the Hut? Right, layer. Nah, the- yeah, I feel like she wouldn't. She wouldn't want the like Jabba the Hut gig. I mean, she was kind of imprisoned at that point. So right. That would that would be like that would be kind of like a, a long like like a six-month cruise ship contract or something that she was pretty, like, over. Maybe her mid-Britney phase kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, maybe <laughs> we'll go we'll go earlier. Um, what's your what's your holy grail? Do you have a holy grail? My holy grail of gear or of, of life? Or- of art. Like, what's the holy grail for you? <laughs> like, you're like an artistic statement. I'm like, gear? Yeah, like yeah. a pedal? Right. Like, a, like an electronic You got plenty pedal? of pedals. I've seen your board. There's too many pedals. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, it's cliche, but but dark dark side of the moon's got to be that's got to be a holy grail mm-hmm. for me, just because that, um, you know, it just shapes like everything. <laughs> it sets off a whole like so much music after it that 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 inspires. It's like not just that record that inspires you, but all the people that that record inspired that then you. It's the prototype. Up listening to as well. Yeah, that one was important to me. Did you ever do the Wizard of Oz, Dark Side of the Moon play? No, I still I still have not. Dude, it it I'm works. Sure it. <laughs> it like this is like it pre-internet meme stuff uh-huh. that we're talking here, right? Like uh-huh. I, I remember in high school, like we did it a couple times, smoked a fat bowl and watched cued yeah. it up to the second lion's roar. And uh-huh. it's pretty like one to one. Yeah, like it, it's simulation theory in effect. I know I got to do it. It's not. It's not. It's not too late. You know? No, not at all. You got. I get... haven't seen The Wizard of Oz in a long ass yeah, time. Yeah, it's a trippy movie for sure. Yeah, but with with Dark Side, you know, I think it takes like two full run throughs. 
Uh-huh. But it's really that first one where you're like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's the, all lining up. Yeah, like the crazy synth song. Yeah, before the like orgasmic woman singing song. Yeah, I should know the names of these. Great gig in the sky. Yeah, bef- I know Great gig, but the yeah. one right before that. Oh, the synth one. Uh, oh, synth on the run. One, on the run is like is during like the tornado, to? right? You know, and yeah, it all it's like all revving up. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it just, uh, it's like one of those great connections that just, yeah, stick. You and know? if you ever ask, you're like, did you guys know like what you were doing when you made it? <laughs> it's like what it's like what flat earthers <laughs> used to be all about. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Like the people that are now getting caught up in the vortex of conspiracies and going mm-hmm. down the pipes. Like I remember like growing up, like that's what the theories used to be about. You know, uh-huh. it's like the grateful dead or the, um, Pink Floyd <laughs> wizard of Oz or the, you it know, it was a simpler time when, when chemtrails was the worst we had to deal yeah. with, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's gotten a lot darker for sure. I long for the days of chemtrails. <laughs> um, so you guys have chemtrail an album days. coming out pretty soon, right? Yeah, yeah. So, just been working on this this triple album for for three years. It started as a four song EP and then ended up as like a twenty four song three parter trilogy. Glory Days four, five, and six. Star Wars reference. Nice. Um, Those are the. Is that the name of the the? Album? Yeah. So, so Glory Days four is dropping uh, April seventh. We're doing this this Europe tour where I started talking about it in like twenty nineteen, and then lockdown happened, and then I kind of thought that was never going to happen, and then. Uh, Dominic, the guy, the the booker there, um, hit me up like a year ago and mm-hmm. was like, "You still interested in doing this?" I was like, "Yeah, man, let's fucking do it." So, the record's kind of coinciding with the the Europe tour, and then I'm trying to trying to get stuff locked in back back uh, in the U.S. for for the summer. Nice. How long are you guys touring for? We're doing like a month. Sick. Yeah. So so that'll be the longest tour. I've done since since like 2015, really. Do you like touring? I love it. Yeah, I'm like I'm an extrovert, and I love playing shows and meeting people, and uh, you know, I've never really made a lot of money touring, so mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of that's the trick, kind of wherever right? you go. Yeah. I'm just like hoping to break even. I'm like, well, if we're trying to break even, like we might as well like see some new places too. Right. You know, where are you uh, guys? Which which countries? Uh, Germany, Austria, and Czech Republic. Oh, tight. Hell so yeah. I've never been to any of those places and, um, you know, trying to do some PR out there. So hopefully the word gets out. And there's like a lot of gigs in kind of smaller towns too. Where you're like, hopefully just the novelty of like an American rock and roll band mm-hmm. out in a small town, you know, will hopefully get, get some people to come out. It's fun to play with that image. Like yeah. I know from traveling, especially in Europe, like getting to play into my Cali Brownness. Yeah. You know, it's like people want that experience. Yeah. Of like, oh, you're a real one. Yeah. You know, like so, like getting to be like the yeah. American rock god. I know. Yeah. yeah, it's like this whole fantasy that like it it goes both ways. You know, but uh, I mean, there's like a lot of you know, it's a lot of American bands that that didn't uh, make it in the states and like went to England and. Henrik, you know, Henrix, mm-hmm. he, he kind of broke big in England first or like the killers or Heim more recently. I don't know. I, I paid some attention to that kind of stuff. And it's like, Oh, sometimes you just need a, I don't know, to be different somewhere. Yeah. 
to yeah. get reintroduced to where you're already from as well. Dude, that that corridor, the like Vienna, Prague, Budapest corridor. Uh-huh. Yeah, you've been out there before? No, but that's like, I have all these trips in my mind and that's definitely one I want to like hit those three cities and then like mm-hmm. the countrysides. You know, you always get somewhere and then you find out about the Totally. The right after you cool leave, you're like, yeah. oh, we should, yeah. I'm hoping the rest of the guys in the band will kind of do more research on the, the places we should go. Yeah. I'm like still trying to deliver all this, you know, get the videos and build a link tree and mm-hmm. like do all the web stuff and build the rent container. A van and yeah, <laughs> just, just make sure it's going to run somewhat smoothly. Totally. We don't really have any tour manager, merch person. Will you be anything. TMing for it? Technically, I, yeah. I, I mean, I think we'll all be TMing. Zach's kind of TMing too because he 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 routed the whole tour within like half an hour of me telling them all the shows, and he's sick. He mapped it all out, which is great because I have no sense of direction. He's he's got a great sense of direction, so very valuable skill. Yeah, set. but yeah, logistics. That's why we get into music, right? Spreadsheets. <laughs> That's what it's all about. So you got to be hyperlinks these days. You got to be a spreadsheet band. Yeah. You know? Um. So are you doing four, five, six? Are they going to be spaced out in the release? That's the plan. Yeah. I'm try- I, uh, I'm, so I've got vinyl coming for four. We'll do vinyl for five as well. And then, um, and then we'll put out the triple album as well. I'm trying to have like a whole trifold the all in for one the heads. Or? Yeah. Okay. Sick. Uh, yeah. Um, and those will be on Spotify as well. Or? Yeah. Yeah. I'm putting out a single lost summer. That's the next single. So that's coming out, uh, next Friday, March 10th. Oh, tight. Yeah. Maybe I'll coincide the drop of this episode. That would be dope. Uh, for Friday. We should do it. Yeah. yeah, I just made the single cover. It's like this photo my buddy Andrew took of our old band. Yeah, the whole song is kind of about, like I was, I wrote it during COVID and um, it's like my, my little brother is, he's he's 10 years younger than me. So he just turned 21 and it was like, I was just thinking when we were, you know, we were locked down and he's like doing college, like on Zoom and, you know, mm-hmm. living with the folks and can like hang out in person with any of his friends. I was like, man, when I was his age, like it was like touring, touring in a band with, with my best buds. And we like had this, there was this one night where we'd like, we were driving home from Colorado and uh, we like ran out of gas on the salt flats in Utah. We just like, <laughs> it was like the middle of the night, but it was, it was great. It was like, we just went out and we're just jamming with the guitars, you know, waiting for AAA. And our buddy got this photo that's like, it's like a super slow exposure, I guess. And like, you know, you just see like, the Milky Way and shit and like there's this whole just like looks like fucking light beams going across from like the cars and sick. So I just just dug up the photo off of our Facebook page from like ten years ago and nice. Are you super you, low res, you know? Did you say you're is that are you using that for something? I'm sorry. That's gonna be the single thing. cover for Oh tight. Oh, I just yeah. made the single cover. I'm so nice. bad in Photoshop, but it's a Kayla, thing. my wife is great at it, so I'll yeah. just kind of be like asking her questions like every Every layer. <laughs> but that's, I mean, you hit on such an important topic because it's funny how life works. Like often, you know, it's like <clears throat> the really like positive or pleasing fun experiences uh-huh. make for like for worse stories than the bad experiences, right. yeah. which often teach us the most and are the most fun to tell after the fact. Totally. Right? I know. Yeah. That's why you got to like, once, once some bad shit's going down, you're just like, well, it's going to be a good story at some point, you know. <laughs> totally. And and as a as a creator, a new vein to mine, right? Yeah. Your mining experience and translating it into art. So. Yeah. 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 It's trying to just, you know, 
trying to remember more more details from it's a nice way to to it's a good place to, to put your memories <laughs> totally it's awesome who uh is there an artist right now that is really inspiring you that, that you'd want to shout out that's uh who's see. inspiring you right now who's inspiring me right now let's see i i got super stoked on uh on the the arctic monkeys album the car okay and they've been around for like you know almost 20 years at this point but it's like their seventh record and i think it's their their best one nice i i think right now i'm i get pretty excited by like artists that have been doing it a while and are making their best work now I'm stoked on this new Caroline Rose album that's coming out too. I think it's coming out at the end of March, but like I really liked her record Loner and then she put out um, another one that was a little poppy. And then this one, like, you know, you can just tell it's like everything's weirder. There's like strings going through like modular synths and stuff and like the production's gotten weirder and you're like, oh yeah, this is going to be her like craziest record yet. So I'm I'm stoked whenever... And the Arctic Monkeys one sounds so good because it's like they went a lot more dry with it. There's like these whole string arrangements that that Alex Turner wrote. And um, I'm just stoked when someone's like pushing themselves like 15, 20 years into their career to like be making their best shit and like having it not, you know, be more commercial Mm -hmm. or it doesn't sound like they're listening to anyone and they're just like keep pushing themselves to be better musically as well and like in terms of pushing their writing and. Yeah. Do you have a process, like a non-music process that you follow when you need to like rinse and repeat? Like if you've been in the studio for a bunch of days, are there things that you do that like help you kind of refill your tanks, hit reset to come back? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't have too many, uh, I don't know, healthy lifestyle routines uh-huh. really. I like, and if I don't have anything on my schedule for like, a couple days then i'm like what the fuck am i doing with yeah, yeah yeah so yeah the art I, is i'm all about having dates on the cow that's like my uh sure. my mo and I, I mean it helps like recording more people i've been you know like engineering and producing more records the last couple of years or really i wasn't doing that at all before mm. so it just started in the last couple of years cool. but i feel like you know there's things that you get hung up on as a songwriter where it's like it's like the fear that it's not going to be as good in real life as it is like in your head about like when you make your record mm-hmm. or something, you know, or like, well, I don't have all the arrangements figured out. Like I don't, I respect these musicians. Like how am I going to get them in a room and then not? And it's like, you just, you know, if you got enough or like you got, I mean, I've done sessions too now where it's like a session with like Greg and Lorenzo where they came in with like one or two songs and came out with six songs. You know, like if you get good players together, you can play anything yeah. quickly too. And also, like, the songwriter, like, you just need to have lyric, you know, some lyrics, melody, some chords. Like, it doesn't, you don't have to have all the parts figured out. Um, a lot of that is, like, getting getting good people in the room, you know, just getting a good rhythm section. And, like, it's, I think it's just rehearsing your songs with, with a, a band, you know. Sure. Or a rhythm section. What Do you approach producing differently than when you, you know, for other artists than you do for when you're writing your own stuff, like how's that process vary for you? Uh, I, I'm super perfectionist with my own stuff. And then it's been good engineering producing stuff because it's, I think it's chilled me out a lot. I think I was pretty like micromanaging with like all these mixed (laughs) tweaks. Like, can there be a little more brilliance on like the Nashville strung guitars, you know, 
like all those kinds of mm-hmm. like tweaky notes. So you're like, I'm probably, this I, is I, my I, baby. Yeah. And I'd be like, I'm like, you hate, like basically the records were finished for me when I drove the mix engineer nuts. Or then once I started mixing my own stuff, like it's done for me when my computer keeps crashing. Cause I okay. can't load any more plugins <laughs> onto the session. So that's how I've like known it's done. And then you're working somewhere else. And then it's like, I've been fortunate to work with great singers too. It's like, I don't know. They just like sing the song three times and, they got great voices. Like we can comp something together. Mm-hmm. They're all like really consistent with how they deliver it. And some people are like, oh, no, I'm consistent. I'm like, well, that's great. Cause like now we have a triple tracked chorus. Like I'm just going to break out that take you did and you sing it. So it all lines up without you even singing along to it a lot of the times. So, and I think, yeah, it's made me kind of like just, um, you know, be like water, man. It's just kind of like if it's not working, just change it, you know, yeah. or come back to it, mm-hmm. just work on it. But like, I feel like when you're when, when I started out making records as a teenager, you'd be like trying to break through that wall. You're like, no, like I'm gonna work hard for it. Like, just give me one more pass, give me one more pat, mm-hmm. you know. And then you're like, nineteen takes into it, and you've lost perspective. For or something. sure. And like, uh, yeah, first, yeah, John Vanderslice produced my old band's first record, and he was kind of in that vein where he's like, I just, you know, if you can't get in a few takes, just move on and come back to it. It's nice yeah. to have that emotional separation. Like, I think you can get too close to the the art sometimes when you're doing those mm-hmm. the big picture and trying to go mi- micro on every little decision yeah and you want to feel like you worked really hard to to get it mm-hmm. you know like work a lot of blood sweat and tears right. went into this record you know and i thought i'd given up so many times and like this whole and you're like or we could just like have it be easy <laughs> yeah and have it be fun and uh-huh. and uh I don't know. I mean, I'm, that's why people are coming to a home studio out in the country. Like, if you want a high pressure record, like go to LA and right. work with like Swizz Beats or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Or he's, I don't know. So you guys built a chill. studio out at the Rainbow Ranch. I just started buying gear, you know, during COVID, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you kind of have like a sixteen track kind of system put mm-hmm. together. And so yeah, we you know there's two houses out there, and and. Um, I kind of work out of the yellow house. That's where I live. So it's like the second bedroom is kind of a mix room, overdub room. And there's a foyer that can be a little live room. I just had Lolo and Greg and, um, and Oliver and uh, this dude, Polly, nice. who's killing sax player and vocalist. So yeah, we just had them in there. So you, it's crazy. You can get big sounding drums in like a relatively <laughs> shitty little yeah, room. Totally. And then we got the cabin too. So, so occasionally I would do that where I'd, you know, if, if the girls are, if rainbow girls are on tour or something, I'll like, but it's, it's a lot of work that, and it's like, it takes me a day to like move the whole studio over and set it up. It takes me a day to tear it down and move it back. Right. So, um, you know, I would love to have a permanent setup in a larger room someday. That's, that's the goal for sure. And, but, uh, you it's know, you're just making it, making it work and staying creative and making records happen. Yeah, that's one thing I've noticed about your about the King King Dream music too is it does. It sounds like you're th- you're you have thought a lot about the studio magic uh-huh. aspect of of recording and songwriting. Like I, I see that craft being applied, to, you know, to what the mics that you're using or the effects that you're using or uh-huh. you know, like you know, you it it shines through and and you know. I'm guessing, you know, it's bands like Floyd and the, you know, these like studio legends. Yeah. Are influence. You know, influence I mean, there. yeah, it's, uh, 
Well, I, was, I mean, I was stoked with, you know, making the first record with Graham because he could play everything too. So it's like mm-hmm. he would just write string arrangements on the spot and then Lewis's brother would just go in and make a harmony on the spot to that too. And um, and then I was lucky with this one. Like I've worked with the, well, the Polici brothers. They got uh, what used to be called New Improved. Now it's, now it's Brothers Chinese Recording with Ian and Jay Polici. Nice. They're, they're right around here. It's like kind of shares the same building with Tiny Oakland and... Um, there's a dude from Tony, Tony, Tony who has a room there, but you know, oh, they got sweet. the Neve console and yeah. like vintage mics and everything. And they're just like, they've been doing it for 20 years and they're so chill to work with and so knowledgeable. I mean, that whole side of like the engineering world, there's like so much, I don't know about that. You know, uh, Jonathan Kirchner from Cumbria was teaching me pro tools classes over zoom when the, when COVID hit and, um, the deep so dive. he was, yeah. And he's got like, all his templates figured out. And like, I mean, it's crazy how fast he can set up like an 11, like when we did the, the Cumbria and King dream, mm-hmm. uh, the cover video, um, you know, it's like an 11 piece band that was like hit and record within like 20 minutes of us. It was like what, like 32 tracks. Yeah. He's super fast. So 5,000 like, feet of cable. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> yeah. So like he's, he's prepared for anything and I'm kind of like, takes me a while to get it all set up and dialed in. And then I'm kind of, I'm hopefully like, but hopefully by the time I'm all set up with everything, it, like the artist has got it pretty figured out what they're, what they're about to lay down. Yeah, yeah. totally. That's awesome, man. Well, um, do you have any upcoming shows in the area that you want to plug? We're or? doing uh bodega day. So if, if you know what's up, actually, I think, I think that's a King dream Whiskerman joint set. I got to talk okay. to Aaron and figure out what the, When's Bodega Bay? It's Bodega Day. Bodega it's that Day. Time of year again? That's May 13th. May 13th. So if you know about it, hit yeah. us up. <laughs> yeah. If you know, you know. And then, yeah, I think we're, and then we're doing, uh, well, I guess Big Stick is known as Tupperware Party. So that's kind of a they do? festival okay. as well. Yeah, that was it. So went uh, that's another one. If yeah. you know, you know. For sure. So yeah, we're, we're super under the radar right now. It's, oh. uh, but yeah, we got to get, get some more club shows going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just Europe right now. And then, uh, and the release, I'm trying to get a team, man. I've been doing it all myself and I, I can't do it all. <laughs> I can't do it all. Well, you know, you know how it is. So, mm-hmm. so if there's any like, you know, uh, booking agents and record labels listening to this, who, who want to get involved. Oh yeah. Know. There, we have a huge demographic. Yeah. Diamond yeah. records is looking for it to be a subsidiary you know, of, of a, a lot larger of the, label. a lot of those out there. For sure. <laughs> huge, huge in that, in that like field. It's, it's so many comments that you're like, it's like, well, like our friends, like we all got a good thing going, but like, how do we get, how do we get any more people involved? You know, Bring the dream to the world. Yeah. Sick dude. Well, dude, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having time me. Hobie. For yeah. Me. And, um, this is hella fun. Man. Hell yeah, dude. Um, before we go, how can people find you? Oh yeah. Uh, so it's pretty much slash King dream music. And anyway, so you know, Instagram slash King Dream Music, Facebook slash King Dream Music, and then KingDreamBand.com. Nice. And it's on Spotify and YouTube, you know, there's a YouTube channel and stuff. I just put out a live video today for you and me versus the human race, which we we filmed that just like in the shed. Cool. At our spot and I oh, yeah. and I mixed that. Um and one more time before we go, the album release date. April seventh. April seventh. Yeah. So I'm yeah. Yeah, there'll be vinyl. Which might gonna be today. <laughs> We're gonna aim to get this out. So yeah. Go listen to it today when you're done with this. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah bro. Thanks well, for dude, me on thanks show, for coming bro. on, man. Much love. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks to everyone for cast. tuning in. Hell Much yeah. love. Peace.